This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. This is my match reaction. My five takeaways from Fulham's 1-1 draw against Brighton Hove Albion on Sunday at the Amex. A wonderful point for Fulham Football Club on the road. Difficult opponent. An opponent that I have much respect for. So getting anything away from Craven Cottage is a bonus, especially against this side. I know Fulham beat this team twice last season. But this is a very good team and actually a deeper team from last season. They showed that with their substitutions in the second half. However, for Fulham to basically play this match, a tale of two halves, which I'll be talking about in just a bit, and get a point out of this, and dare I say almost win the match, is massive moving forward. A wonderful point for Fulham Football Club. I'm happy for the Fulham supporters that went down there. Obviously, you want all three points. I'll take a point, and it's a very good point for Fulham on the road. Okay, before I go through my five takeaways, as always, please do subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. It does help other Fulham supporters find us. Okay, let's get to it. Let's start with number five, and this actually doesn't involve either team here. This actually involves the supporters of Brighton and also the commentators, the commentary that I listen to. So number five is this, the complaints of time-wasting from the Brighton supporters and the bias of the international commentary was over the top. So let's look at this twofold because there are two parts to this. Let's start with the complaints of time-wasting from the Brighton supporters that I listened to on BBC Radio Sussex. Now, I listened to this their final whistle show, and I heard several Brighton supporters call in, complain about time-wasting. And the announcers also were complaining about time-wasting from foam. And I watched the match. I wasn't there, but I watched the match, and they were giving examples of Bern Leno. And listen, if there's something 
going on with Bern Leno, you go down. Do I think he's faking injury? No, I don't think he's faking injury. I know that the Brighton supporters feel that way. Or I don't know if uh, Harry Wilson gets hit in the face. Are we just going to just pretend that didn't happen? There are incidents on both sides. And I'll be calling out one for Fulham in just a bit. But this idea of time wasting, I feel when, when it comes up, and it does come up, I see it a lot against Fulham that teams who expect to win, then they go to this time wasting and they complain about it. Well, first of all, you got a lot of stoppage time because when you do the time wasting that you're claiming that Fulham were doing, it's going to be added to the end. I don't feel that this is over the top time wasting. I think the complaints are over the top. You should be more upset about your own side, not doing enough to win the match. That's where it should be. When you make these complaints, you are actually not looking at the problem. Your team wasn't good enough to win the match. End of story. If you want to complain about time wasting, it's ridiculous to go on a show and complain about time wasting and not really focus on the big problem, which was your team wasn't good enough to get all three points. Bottom line, they weren't. They played well in the first half, Fulham adjusted in the second half. And if you're going to complain about time wasting, that's your biggest gripe, then I don't know what to say about that. Every club has some form of time wasting. They just do. And one of the things that they've done now is that they add more time to the clock for stoppage time. So that to me makes no sense at this point. Stop complaining about time wasting. Why don't you just concentrate on your own side's play? Because when Fulham adjusted, they certainly didn't adjust until the end of the match to try to make one last gasp to win the match. They didn't do enough to win the match. That's the bottom line. Not the time wasting. That's not the reason why you didn't win. It was your team didn't do enough. I hate the excuse making because that's all it is. Look at your own team. They didn't do enough to win the match. Now, the other complaint I have is the over-the-top negative international commentary. And I believe these were the announcers. I looked this up reportedly. It was Jonathan Beck and Gary Bertels were the announcers. And when I watch a broadcast that's an international broadcast, it's basically not for one side or the other. I'm not looking for one side to be favored over the other in their commentary. And there was bias here. There's absolute bias here. It was so much in favor, so much of feeling like a hometown broadcast of Brighton Hove Albion. It was an international broadcast. And you could not tell that this was an international broadcast. You would have thought this was the Brighton Hove Albion broadcast, which again, shouldn't be happening internationally. It just shouldn't be. And I'll give you an example of someone that I listen to a lot. Yes, I've had him on Cottage Talk, but Tony Gale, who's a former Fulham player, calls a lot of Fulham matches. But I will tell you, when I listen to him, he is very fair on both sides. And he's a former Fulham player. In fact, I even think at times, because he's a former Fulham player, I think he's even harder on Fulham, which I don't have an issue with. But if you're going to do these broadcasts, be impartial. Don't 
be for one side over the other because it came out on this broadcast. It absolutely did. And for someone like myself who's looking forward to the match, I just want basically an impartial commentary, and I didn't get that in this match. That's why this is my number five, along with the complaints of time wasting from the Brighton supporters. I'll just say some of the Brighton supporters. I'll mention that. I, I mentioned Brighton supporters, but we'll just mention now. That we'll call them some. Let's move on to number four. And this is an interesting one. Paulina living on the edge was positive and negative in this match. Overall, Chao Paulina had a very good match. And his style of play lives on the edge. You know you're going to get yellow cards with him. You know you're going to get great tackles from him. You know he's going to be invested in the match from the minute you start to the minute it ends. But his play, living on the edge, has benefits, and there's also a negative part. So let's start, actually, I'm going to go negative. Let's start with the negative part. So fairly early on in the match, he does give an elbow to Gross, and honestly, he could have gotten a red card here. So I've heard a lot of commentary that this was on purpose. I don't know. I've watched it back several times, but the elbow hits the face, and he could have gotten a red card. He is fortunate and far more fortunate that he did not get a red card. That's his way he plays, but again, I don't know what the intent was there, but there was an elbow there, and he could have been sent off. There's no question about that. I watched it several times. I can't make excuses for it. And But I do know that he plays with this edge to him, and sometimes it can get him into trouble. Do you live with that? I think you live with this is who he is because there are so many benefits to come from it. But I think I have to be honest to tell you that Fulmer fortunate that he stayed on the pitch and actually got a goal a little bit later, which again goes to the positive. So his approach, his living on the edge does pay dividends. He made some very good tackles and he scores the goal. So I think we have to accept that this is who he is and he's not going to let up. He's going to play with that edge, but he lives on the edge. And in this case, thankfully, he didn't get sent off because if he got sent off, we wouldn't have got the uh, goal from Jopelina, which was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal goal. And he, overall, he played well. But if he does this again, he could get a red card. Just keep that in mind, that this living on the edge mentality does have a downside. So let's go to number three. I think this is an obvious one. And it is this. The tale of two halves on full display in this match. Now, what's interesting about this, Brighton Hove Albion played three at the back. They changed their shape. Maybe that caught Fulham by surprise, but their style of play is still to push forward. And they were dominant in the first half. They should have been up by more, honestly. Some nice saves from Burn Leno, but honestly, Fulham offered very little in the first half, and that was down to Brighton Hove Albion. They were fantastic in the first half. My only thought watching this was that if Fulham could get through the half only down a goal, the second half, maybe, just maybe, because they played Thursday, they would wear down a little bit. I think you saw some of that. And on top of it, 
in the second half, and I'll talk about this in my number two with Marco Silva. Fulham were a completely different team. They were pressing the hell out of Brighton Hove Albion, making them uncomfortable where it was the other way around in the first half. So Fulham made the adjustments, but the players had to execute it. And that's why you saw such a difference from the first half to the second half, that it comes down to the players, obviously the instructions by the manager, but the players came out and really took charge in the second half, scored a goal, and dare I say maybe almost got a winning goal. Rodrigo Muniz, that was actually a pretty decent opportunity shortly after the goal from Jao Polina, but they were a different team in the second half. And that shows you that they have it in them. Going back to the commentary, I heard, well, why couldn't Fulham start the match like that? Why did they wait until the second half? That's a great question. I don't have an answer for that. It's a fair criticism. But Fulham were a different team in the second half. The substitutions also helped, but it was from the get-go. So even before the substitutions, Fulham were dominant in that second half, trying to get that equalizer, which eventually they got. So their approach in the second half made Brighton Hove Albion very uneasy. They had nothing to worry about in the first half, Brighton Hove Albion. In the second half, completely different story because Fulham were pressing really well, and it was basically paying dividends to a goal and making that team very uncomfortable. They looked like they didn't know what they were doing, where in the first half, Fulham looked like they didn't know what they were doing. So... That's why this match totally was a tale of two halves. Let's go to number two, and we have to go to Marco Silva. And I said this in my preview of the match, that Marco Silva had to win the coaching battle. And I think Marco Silva did win the coaching battle here. Now, Brighton Hove Albion's coach, Deserby, changed the formation, made a lot of changes from the match against Ajax, and maybe he was overthinking it, Maybe he thought he needed to rotate, but I think this also caused problems for his team. When you get to the second half, he had to make substitutions in the second half to offset what Fulham did, but it was a chess match. And when Fulham got to the half, whatever Marco Silva said to the players, they did because they were dominant to begin that second half. And really, until the very late stages, they were just running the show were there pressing. They were just made Brighton Hove Albion very uncomfortable. And a lot of that comes down to Marco Silva. Now, Marco Silva also made a triple substitution, which took everything to the next level. He brings on Pereira. He makes two other substitutions that I think really helped everything out. You have Harry Wilson coming on. And these changes really made a difference in this match. They absolutely did. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, why did he wait until the 60th minute? But he makes the triple substitution, I want to say around the 60th minute, around there. And it totally made a difference in the match. And that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for the substitutions to make an impact, which they absolutely did in this match. But you're also looking for a response. And Marco Silva got 
the proper response from his players. And that to me is what it's about. It's about the response. Can you make a response? And honestly, when you look at the substitutions, I think they all paid off. You have Pereira coming on, Reed goes off, Muniz comes on for Jimenez, who really struggled, and then Harry Wilson comes on for Bobby Reed. I think all three substitutions made a difference. So kudos to Marco Silva for, I think, winning the coaching battle. Deserby then had to make his own substitutions, but I think it was too little too late for him. So I think Marco Silva got the best of Deserby. Now, Fulham didn't win the match, but his adjustments paid off to get Fulham a very good point on the road. Okay. Coming up next to end the show is my number one takeaway from this 1-1 draw for Fulham. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so my number one takeaway is this. Alex Awobi is the man of the match and needs to start every match. I think Alex Awobi has shown what he can offer Fulham Football Club. I know I said this over the summer, and I've said this several times, that Fulham did not bring in a player of the level of Jao Polina. I might have to take that back. I think Alex Awobi might be that level of player. Listen, he came from Arsenal, went to Everton. The pedigree is there. And now I think he's showing how much he can offer Fulham Football Club. He might be worth the money. So for me, I love what I've seen from Alex Wilby. His energy, what he brings. He can play a deeper role. He can play the number 10 role. I would love to see him stay in the number 10 role. But then becomes a situation with Pereira. So... What's interesting is he needs to start because I think from the beginning to the end, Alex Awobi, until he was taken off, was the man of the match for Fulham, and he just offers so much to the team. He's always moving. I love what I'm seeing from him. He's just fast becoming my favorite player, and he's earned it because of what he can bring. It took him a little bit to start to get into what Marco wanted to do and really integrate himself into foam. But now I think you're starting to reap the rewards of this summer transfer, which at the time I was just thinking, okay, nice player, good player. In Marco's system, he might become a great player. I'm going to say it right now. Has to start every match. You have to find a way to get Alex Awobi in there. And that's what's interesting about this because – when you look at people that are going to come to you and talk to you and say, well, Fulham could still be in a relegation battle. 
And there are several reasons why I'm not buying it. And I'm going to give them to you. One is Marco Silva. Two is Bern Leno. The other two are obvious as well. As long as Jao Paulinho is with Fulham Football Club, they're not getting relegated. So I don't care what happens in January. I wouldn't sell him until the summer if they're going to sell him. I'll just say that. But we'll have to see what happens there. But another reason why I don't think Fulham will be even in a relegation battle is Alex Awobi because he's quality. You needed more quality. Now you have it. Do we know his best position? Like I said, I think it's the number 10 role. But that's going to make things difficult. Basically a log jam in central midfield. But I think Marco's going to figure it out. But regardless, Alex Awobi needs to be starting each and every match for Fulham Football Club. Because now for me, he's raised his game to not just being a good player, to being a very good player and potentially at the same level of Paulinha. That's what I wanted to see this summer. I wanted several players of Paulinha's level. Alex Awobi might be one of them, which is a very good thing moving forward. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. As always, please do subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. It does help other phone supporters find us. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. My name is Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk, part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.